Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Doing good? All right, you're the 1030 crowd. How you doing this morning? Come on. You doing good this morning? You need to let the people online know how good you're doing today, too. So, hey, it's so good to see you this morning. My name is Robert, by the way. If I haven't met you before, it's an honor and privilege to have you here today. And man, if you're looking for a place to get connected, a place to be a part of, uh, I'm always biased, but I believe this is a great place. I believe God's doing some great and incredible things, and we would love to help you become a part of our church family. And one of the easiest ways to do that is through what we call Stepping Stones. Stepping Stones is really your next steps. It's how you find out who we are, what we do, what we do, what we're about, how you can get plugged in, talk about how you're gifted, talk about how you can plug in to be a part of this local ministry that's making an impact in this community and around the world. So like we would love to help you be a part of that. It's also a great way to meet some new people and uh, make some friends. And so if you're interested in taking that next step, be sure that you fill out a, uh, a Connect card. Or you can also go use our Church Center app that Tyler was talking about, is that there's a registration for Stepping Stones. Uh, I do not believe... Uh, that there is one for the rest of this year for November and December. However, that being said, as I said last week, I have some resources and things available that I can get to you and then we can have a cup of coffee and meet together and we can talk about it so that you don't have to wait to get connected because uh, we want you to help uh, find your place, help you be a part of what's happening, what's going on. Or you can wait till January and uh, you can take the class. Either way, it's up to you, but we just want you to know we would be glad and honored to have you and help you find your place. Also, I want to remind you guys that next week is our big gift. Big gift is something we do every year. It's during the month of November. Uh, we take up an offering above and beyond our tithes and that we put it towards projects and things that we're doing in the church. We also like to bless our community. We're always looking for ways to where that we can add value to what's happening and going on and, and, and how we can make a difference. And so you pray about what the Lord would have you to give. Uh, we're in the middle of uh, building a new auditorium. Uh, one of the things that we've encountered since moving here is space is limited. And so uh, there's actually some people, even though there's a seat here or there, there's some people in the overflow room today, you know, watching the service. And, and so we're just trying to create space, more opportunities where more people can come, get connected uh, and uh, hear about Jesus and uh, know about Jesus. And so we're really excited about that. We've uh, everything that we've done thus far as a church, really excited about this. We've paid in cash. We've paid in, in, in cash in hand. Uh, we're about 450000 away from completely finished. We're talking parking lot, all the different kind of stuff. And we're really working on interior, electrical, HVAC, all that kind of uh, of amenities that need to, to be in place and in there. Um, so anyway, whatever we take up, we'll go towards that and we'll just do what we can and then we can talk about next steps from there, okay? But my prayer, my heart is hopefully we could get in it by Easter and uh, that would be a good uh, target. We may or may not get that, but that's what we're going to shoot for. Uh, but you continue to be praying about that. All right, if you're glad to be here, say I am. I am. And so... Uh, one more thing, okay? Tyler talked about volunteers. If you are a volunteer, right, and, and you uh, are going to be a part of December 3rd, like we want you to come. This is one of the ways we can say thank you for all you do. We could not do what we do without you guys. Uh, but one of the things that uh, Sarah has done um, is sent out an email to all of our volunteers, and she's asked you about your T-shirt size. There's like 130 of you, and 40 have responded, okay? So she needs your T-shirt size. Now, if you don't send it in, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to guesstimate 
And it's either going to be a little snug or it's going to be too big, okay? It probably won't be just right. So anyway, uh, send that information, look at your email, check your email, and respond back to her so that we can go ahead and get some things ordered, all right? Cool deal. All right, well, last week, we kicked off a new series. And by the way, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians today is where we're going to spend the majority of our time, chapter 8. You can go ahead and turn there with me this morning if you got your Bibles or you can follow along on screen. One of the things that, that we began talking about was first things first. In other words, there's some things that you need to settle in your heart and in your life. You need to have some priorities that are rooted and grounded in Jesus. And so I gave the illustration last Sunday of the professor standing up before his class. He had a clear container and he put some big rocks in it, filled it all the way up to the top. And then he asked the question, is it full? And of course the class said yes. And again, we talked about how you put pebbles in and then he put sand on top of that. And then he poured water in it until you couldn't put anything else in it. And those little things represented all the things that we encounter in life. But the big rocks were our values, were our priorities, right? And it's important that you put the big rocks in first. Because if you don't put the big rocks in first, if you don't settle priorities in your life, if you don't settle the main values that need to be in your life, what happens is life begins to take place. Life begins to happen. And before you know it, those things are coming at you from all different directions. And if you try to put in the big values thereafter, you'll find that there's not a place for them. But if you put them in first and solidify them in your heart and your life, there'll be time for all the other things that you encounter along the way. But you allow those priorities to drive your life each and every day. And so we talked about the importance of making God the priority of your life. That was the question that we asked. Is God the priority of your life? It's important that we determine that. It's important that we make one big decision, that I'm going to follow God, that I'm going to trust God, that I'm going to honor God with my whole life, with my whole being, with everything that I am. He is worthy and, and he deserves my praise. He deserves my worship. He deserves everything that I offer to him. He is all of that, right? He is a great, wonderful, good God. Do we believe that this morning? Amen. And he needs to be the priority in our life. And so in other words, when we make him the priority, that means that we completely trust him. In other words, we believe that God's telling the truth. So when God says, listen, this is how you're to live as a believer. This is how you're to be as a husband and wife. This is how you're to be as an employee. This is how you're to handle difficulty. This is how you're to handle disagreements. All these things. Listen, sometimes it's going to go against the grain. Sometimes when we read God's word, it's going to well up some emotions that we don't want to move in that direction. We don't want to do that. But when God's the priority in your life, you say, you know what? I'm going to get over myself and I'm going to believe that what you're saying is the truth. And I'm going to trust you and I'm going to hold on to your truth and I'm going to hold on to your word. and I'm going to hold on to your promises and I'm going to continue to move in that direction no matter what. And so it's important that we determine that Jesus is Lord, right? It's one thing to say that Jesus is our Savior. It's one thing to say that, listen, I want to receive his grace. I want to receive his goodness. I want to see, receive his forgiveness. Like I definitely want to be forgiven. I definitely want to be made right with God. I want him to be my savior. But when we talk about him being Lord, you know what that means? It means he's ruler over all. That means in every arena of my life, right? Jesus is King. He is Lord and he is first and foremost in my life. And it's important that we settle that in our hearts, because if you settle this, then these things that we're talking about, things like today and the next couple of weeks, these things will come from an overflow 
of making God priority first and foremost in your life. Because really what's at stake is your growth, your spiritual maturity. Like if I'm going to trust God, if I'm going to honor God, if I'm going to make him the center of my life, if I'm going to be grounded in him, then these things are going to be a natural overflow of the heart, right? They're just going to occur. They're just going to transpire. You don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to, you know, bring it about through guilt, shame, all those things. You just want to honor God with your heart and your life because he has given so much to us. So it's important that we solidify the big things. And so today we're talking about generosity. We're talking about a God that is generous. Because really when you begin to, to break down Christianity, the heart of Christianity is giving. Now some people say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. The heart of Christianity, the whole gospel and everything is about love. Well, let me tell you something. You can't receive love unless it's given. The gospel is all about Giving. It's all about God giving us something that we didn't deserve, something that we didn't earn. Even think about it from the very beginning. Here's what I want you to know. Our God is a giving God. He is a generous God. In Genesis, we see him, the giver of life, right? God created man. He created woman and he breathed the breath of life into them. And man became a living soul, right? God gave us life all throughout the scriptures. We read and we see God's constant faithfulness. God gave his provision, right? The children of Israel, they wandered. 40 years and God promised them the land and they had been in captivity and God provided during that season, during that time. They endured suffering. God provided, right? We see God's provision all throughout the scriptures, right? We see that over and over and over again. And then we come to the New Testament and what does God do, right? God gives grace. God gives his son Jesus. God gives the very best that he had to offer so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could be made right with God, right? God gave us grace. God gave us love. God gave us forgiveness, right? We know this because we learned a verse. A lot of you learned this verse a long time ago. Probably one of the very first ones that you memorized. It's John 3, 16. And it says, for God so what? Loved. What did his love do, right? That he did what? Gave, right? That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Christianity is about giving. And I've said this numerous times. and I'm going to say it again because really I want you to understand this and I want you to get it. And I hope and pray that it just resonates in your heart, in your life, is that you can give without loving. You ever gave without lovingly doing it before? I'm going to do this. I'm not happy about it. I'm going to do it. Sometimes we give out of guilt. Sometimes we give out of shame. Sometimes we give because we feel obligated. And it's not a very joyful thing when you give in that manner. Can I get an amen? But we've done it. I've done it. You can give without loving. But you can't love without giving. They go hand in hand. If you love, it's going to be an overflow. It's automatically you are going to give. Your love is going to motivate you to give because of your love. You move in that direction, not because you have to, but because you get to. And that's a huge, huge thought. So it's important as we talk about generosity this morning, I want you to know that we're talking more than just about finances. We're talking about our lives. We're talking about who we are, what we have, what we can bring, what we can offer unto the Lord. God's called us to be generous. And generosity begins with a mission. 
it always begins with a mission. I mean, when you think about it, think with me a little bit, okay? When Jesus comes on the scene and people just seen something, he began to tell people to follow him. What motivated the disciples to leave their families, their careers, everything that they knew, everything that they had earned, they left all of that and they began to follow Jesus. Why? Because they believed in the mission. They believed that he was the son of God. They believed that he was the Messiah. They didn't understand everything there was to understand, but they believed in the cause. They believed in what Jesus was about and they wanted to be a part of that and they were willing to give everything that they have to follow him. But I want you to know that cause, that mission is still the same today. What was Jesus's mission? Jesus's mission, he said this in Luke chapter 19 verse 10, he said that he came to seek and to save those that were lost, those that were far from God, those that didn't have a right relationship with God, right? Sometimes some, even the people who appear to be the closest to God are sometimes the furthest away, right? There were a lot of religious people. There were a lot of people there in the crowd. And Jesus said, listen, I came so that people could know and have a relationship with the Father. I came to seek and to save those that were lost. And here's what I want you to know. For over 2,000 years, the mission have the church, the followers of Jesus, Jesus has not changed. It's the same mission that we have today. Why do we do everything we do? Not so that we can say that we've got this building or that we're doing this or we've got this amount of people. Who cares? Eternity weighs in the balance. We talked about this a few weeks ago. There is a literal heaven. There is a literal hell. And it's not that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. People who have been saved, people who have surrendered their life to the grace of God, by the grace of God, for the grace of God, when they breathe their last breath, they're going to spend eternity in heaven, right? But there's a lot of people that you and I know that we're around every single day. Some of it you're going to have Thanksgiving dinner with. Some of them you're going to work with tomorrow. Some of them you're going to be at the ball fields, the grocery stores with. There's a lot of people who are without Jesus, and God has called you and I to be part of the solution of raising the banner of Jesus, to make him known, to make his name great, so that people see his good works, his goodness, and his favor, and his grace, and his mercy, so they could surrender and experience the life that he has for them. That's the mission of the church. A building is just more space to gather people so they can hear the gospel, so they can hear, so that ministry can be done. They're just tools, it's not an end. People are the mission and it's been the mission and it will continue to be the mission. And we've got to keep that at the forefront because what's on God's heart is people. The scripture says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so we've got a vision to see people far from God be filled with life in Christ. That's who God's called us to be. And you know what? In order to do that, it's going to take our generosity. It's going to take of our time. It's going to take of our talents. It's going to take our resources because we believe in the mission. This isn't about me. This isn't about milestone. This is about Jesus and about making him known and about making him great. And so when we talk about generosity, here's what I don't want you to kind of tune into and think through because I know how it is sometimes. And I know what kind of goes through your mind because I've sat there and I've heard things and I've thought things. And so this is not about the preacher trying to get something from me this morning. Can I get an amen? All right, good. I was getting worried there for a minute. All right. It's like, well, maybe, you know. This ain't, I don't need anything from you. I want you to know that. Listen, I get it. You're busy. Guess what? I'm busy. We all got stuff. We got families. We've got a lot of different things going on. 
You've got work. You volunteer in other capacities and do different things. Listen, I know we're all busy, so I'm not trying to get you to do something. My heart, my prayer is I want something for you. And that's what God wants. God wants something for me. God wants something for you that you can only experience through this overflow that transpires when he's the priority of your life. This is going to be a natural thing that occurs. It's just going to occur again because you can't experience the love of God and be filled with the love of God and not give in some capacity. You can't. You won't. It will compel you to do that. So let's look and see what God's word has to say. Here's the struggle. Here's the difficulty. Sometimes when we talk about generosity, it can well up a lot of different emotions and a lot of different thoughts. But my heart and prayer, again, is that we would allow the Spirit of God to speak to us in a very real and personal way. And at the end of the day, here's what I always say is, with the Lord lead you, make sure that you line up with what you feel. Because a lot of times people say, well, I feel led to do this, and it doesn't line up with Scripture. And I'll just tell you flat out, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, you didn't hear that from the Lord. You can't trust your feelings. I can't trust my feelings. We can trust God's Word. And so God's not going to lead you to do something that contradicts his word. But I want you to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, and I want you to be obedient to that and move in that direction because really what's at stake is our growth. Because if we're not careful, we'll get stuck in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual journey with Jesus. And listen, God doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants us to continue to grow. He doesn't want us just to be babes in Christ. We need to mature and we need to grow as we follow him. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, because listen, we're not the first people to struggle with this. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. Now, again, I just want to remind you, I love to give you a little bit of context, okay? So Corinthians, we're reading 2 Corinthians. This is the second letter that... Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. So remember who Paul was. Paul was somebody who persecuted the church. He had a, an encounter with Jesus as he was walking. He was trying to eliminate the church, people that followed the Lord, people that followed Jesus, right? He was trying to be righteous in what he was doing. He thought he was doing a good thing, but he encountered Jesus personally. Jesus changed his life. And instead of persecuting the church, Paul went on to tell people about Jesus. He went everywhere that he could go to lift up the name of Jesus. And while he was there, he planted churches, right? And so he would tell the gospel, he would share the gospel, and people would give their life to Jesus. And before you know it, this body of believers would be there and a church would be born within that. And then Paul would stay there for a season of time. He was really like the first church planner, if you will. He would be there for a season of time. He would help them grow, help them get on their feet. And then he would lead one of his people that were doing ministry with him. And they would continue to pastor one of the people that he had discipled along the way. And they would shepherd the flock and they would continue to build the faith. But he thought about them. He loved them. He cared for them. And God inspired him to write these things. He is addressing some things in the church in 1 Corinthians, and he's continuing to address some things in the second letter. And so not only did he write this letter to the Corinthians, but when you read the New Testament, two-thirds of the New Testament is letters that Paul wrote to different churches, different places to where that he had the privilege to be a part of helping start these great works. And so he's addressing the church of Corinth of something that had happened, something that had taken place 
to where that the Macedonian churches uh, had began to give an offering to the church at Jerusalem. The church of Jerusalem, where all this started from, right? Because again, everybody's there in Jerusalem. Jesus ascended into heaven. The church begins to be persecuted. The church went out. And God just begins to change people's hearts all over the world, right? Paul's a part of that process as well. So now the church of Jerusalem is struggling. They're having difficulty. They're having a hard time. And so now this offering is being taken. Paul's writing and talking to them about that. And and so I just want you to check this out of what he has to say concerning this. He's writing and he says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know. He's like, here's what I want you to know. We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And listen to what he says right here. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I want you to underline, I want you to check this right here. First of all, he says, I want to tell you about what God's been doing. God's been doing a great work. Man, God's been changing people's lives. Jesus is being lifted up. People are following him. He's transforming them. They're serving him day in and day out. I want to tell you, man, they've experienced, they've encountered the grace of God. And I think that that's important that we continue to rejoice whenever we hear about somebody experiencing or other churches experiencing and encountering the grace of God. I just want to say this, like we're not in competition with other believing churches around here. When we hear of God doing great works and great things, it might be across the road. It might be down the street. We would, we should never say, well, listen, well, our service wasn't like that. It was all I could do to listen to Pastor Robert last week. And I was glad to get out when we got out. Okay. That was a joke. Nobody laughed first service either. But anyway, it's all good. I just want to test, right? So it failed both times. All right. Good deal. I'll never use that again, but you get what I'm saying. It's like, it's like ours wasn't like that, right? We didn't experience that. We didn't have like you know, 15 baptisms. We didn't have people, you know, move and come up. Like we didn't experience that. But what we should do is we should celebrate that because that's people far from God being filled with life in Christ and to the family of God. Now, hey, listen, we ought to pray. God, show up in this place. God, show up in this place. Let there be a freedom in this place. God, let people experience your grace. Let them feel your presence, sense your presence, know your presence, Lord. May you be lifted up. May you be glorified. But listen, we can't conjure up things that only the Holy Spirit of God does, right? We can't create the atmosphere that only God can create. We can be an extension of that. We can allow God to work through our hearts, our lives, our attitude, our smiles, and we can do all those things, right? We can be available and say, Lord, here I am. But when God shows up and God encounters and God's in the middle of it, stuff happens, and you, can't, you don't get the credit for it. It's not about like, oh, that was an awesome sermon. No, listen, God shows up. And when God begins to work with our efforts and we say, Lord, here it is. Here's my offering. Right. Sometimes it's just like this is what I have. This is all I can give. Lord, it may be greeting the door. It may be helping somebody in there. It may be changing the diaper this morning. Like in my role this morning, it's like, hey, I'm going to preach and teach. and I'm going to pour out everything that God's been pouring into me today. But God, take that. Use that. And when God begins to work, like he gets the credit, he gets the honor, he gets the glory. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about any of us. It's about King Jesus. And he says, I want you to know, I want you to celebrate the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And he says, in the midst of severe trial, their overflowing, I want you to underline it, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Think about that. They had experienced extreme difficulty. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you may be experiencing severe difficulty right now. 
like you're going through the thick of it. You're having a very hard time. There's a lot of things that are happening. Sometimes it could be health related. Sometimes it could be family related. Sometimes it could be just personally related. Sometimes it could be job related. Like there's a lot of things that can pull us in a lot of different directions and life can be hard. Life can be difficult. Sometimes it could be the loss of somebody that we love. But I want you to see this right here is that in the midst of severe trial, they had an overflowing joy. Why did they have an overflowing joy? Well, again, it's the Lord. Have you ever have you ever come across somebody that has went through immense difficulty? Like, I mean, they've just experienced loss. They've experienced suffering. I was talking to somebody the other day that's within our church and they were telling me their story and and they were sharing about loss. And man, it just broke my heart. And I asked them this question. and I was like, how in the world did you get through that? And they looked at me and said, it's the Lord. I can't tell you any other way than just the Lord. Like I've been holding on to the cleft of the rock. With all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength, with my limited understanding. And I've just been holding on to God's truth, God's promises. And what I tell people today is just hold on to Jesus because you can trust him. You can hold on to him. He is faithful. He is able. Some of you know what that's like. And here's what I do know. Like you may be in a season right now to where that everything is great and everything is moving in the direction just like you thought it would. But if you've been around long enough, you know that there's something brewing around the corner. Can I get an amen? You will experience difficulty. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And when you encounter that, it's important, again, to have those big rocks right in the center of the container of life, that Jesus is the priority, that he is able, that he can withstand, and he will meet me right in the middle of it. He will walk with me through the valley, and I don't have to be afraid because he is with me every step of the way. And sometimes, listen, when we go through difficulty and we wonder, God, why have you forgot me? Why have you abandoned me? Listen, I want you to know, even when you feel like that in moments, God's big enough for those questions. And God is powerfully present, even in the middle of it, right? Even when you don't sense it, even when you don't, it doesn't change his position. He is with you. He is for you. And he will help you through this time. You can still have joy even in the midst of difficulty because Jesus is unchangeable. Life is constantly and consistently changing But Jesus is consistent. Jesus is constant. Jesus is with us, right? He does not change. The scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can stand upon that. We can hold on to those promises. This Macedonian church, they went through great difficulty. But even in the great difficulty, they had a joy That was just unspeakable, unexplainable. And their difficulty and even their poverty welled up in rich generosity. He said, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And again, I want you to catch what he said right here. He says, they did this entirely on their own. I'm not guilting them in to do this. I haven't even commanded that they need to do this, right? I'm not saying like, you need to do this. They wanted to be a part of this. They couldn't wait to be a part of this. They pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the Lord's people, right? This wasn't a command. Paul didn't give them a guilt trip. 
and guilt them into giving. He said this was something that dwelled up within them, that just overflowed out of their hearts, out of their lives, right? They were compelled to be a part. They didn't want to miss the joy of being a part of the Lord's work. And if you've ever given in some capacity of yourself, of your time, of your talents, of your resources, like when you give, Jesus knew what he was talking about in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, I believe. He says, where it's better to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Right? If you've ever had an opportunity to give, like it's just fun. It's like, whew. it just brings something up within you. I remember when we first started this church in 2007. We were talking about this earlier in between services. When we first started this church, we were meeting over at my house. And I remember, I remember we were just about to start meeting at the YWCA on the Turnpike. And I used to go to Sagebrush and eat. That tells you how long ago that was, right? Anybody remember Sagebrush? Hold your hand. Who doesn't have a clue what I'm talking about right there, right? Yeah, somebody got excited thinking about that country fried steak and mashed potatoes and come on now. But y'all are having spaghetti after church. So anyway, here we go. But like I would go to Sagebrush and I remember when I was there, I was with some other people and I remember this young lady who waited on our table and I just happened to ask her, it's like, hey, how are you doing today? And I said, listen, I'm about to pray over our meal. Like, how can I pray for you today? Is there a way that I can pray for you today? And immediately when I said this, like she started weeping. And my first thought was like, oh no, here we go. It's like, I'm just trying to eat and go, you know, it's like, I didn't really, you know, it's like, but no, she starts to weep and she starts to share like the difficulty that she's having in her life. And she's a single mom and she's working two jobs and she's having car trouble and she had to walk to work and all that kind of stuff. And she's doing everything she could just to stay afloat. And I remember while she was talking the Lord told me, you need to get her a car. And I said, wait a minute, Lord. I was just coming here to eat lunch. <laughs> and I just couldn't get away from that. And I was thinking, like, Lord, you looked at my bank account before I even came in the door right here. Like, you know I had enough to eat and to leave a tip, and that's it, you know. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Lord, I just want you to do that. Like, you just need to pray about, like, you need to help provide her a car. And I remember sharing with our people what God had told me. And listen, hey, I'm willing to help. But this lady came up and said, listen, I've got an extra car. It's a nice car. I don't drive it. I don't use it. It's just sitting there. I want to give it. And I remember taking that car, going and cleaning it up. It was a nice car, too. Like, it was really nice. Drove nice. Remember taking that car, driving it over to Sagebrush. And again, I just went in, and some of us went in, we're going to eat, and made sure that, I already made sure that she was going to wait on our table. And as she's waiting on us, and before she hands us the bill, and, you know, we're settling up and all that stuff, I handed her, I said, oh, by the way, hey, listen, we want to tip you real good today. You remember when you were telling me about a car? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, do you still need a car? She's like, oh, yeah. And I said, well, here's your keys. And, man, you want to talk about, you know how it is. This is just like, it's like people are weeping, people are crying, and it's like, it felt so good. It's like, I want to do this all that I can. Like, there's a joy in giving. 
It wasn't that this lady had an abundance. She just had what she had and just happened to be an extra car. She was willing to give it, make it available. I took it over there. I cleaned it up, did what I could. I shared and like God provided and like God did a work in that. And I got to be a part of that. I got to experience that. And I got to see God do an incredible work in their life. And I got to say, listen, this isn't about our church. This is about Jesus. This is how much God cares about you. This is how much God knows about you. Like he knew before I even walked in, I didn't know I was going to ask, but he compelled me to ask how I could pray for you. And he knew that you needed to share. He knew of somebody that I was connected to that had a car that was willing to give it. He knew that we would come back over here and we would hand you the keys one day. God knew all of that. And he gets the glory and he gets the honor. There's something about like when you give and you're willing to be generous, to give of yourself, even when you don't understand it, even when you don't know how you're going to do it. When you trust the Lord, God does incredible things. He does incredible things. And we get to be a part of it. This is what Paul's talking about this, right? In the midst of severe trial, they were having difficulty, but their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. He said, for I testify, they gave as much as they were able beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege sharing in the service of the Lord, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. Listen to what he said. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. In other words, they said, God, here's the container of my life. You are the big rock. You are the first thing first. You are the priority. I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. And whatever I have is yours. Remember, like we talked about last week, when you're sitting at the dinner table and you ordered exactly, you know, what you wanted and how you wanted it. And it's fantastic. It's just like you thought it was. But the person you love is sitting across and they're looking at your plate. When they say, can I have some? You say, here it is. Have the whole thing. Because your love motivates you to give. And when God says, listen, I want to do this, like he's got something more for you than you can even think or even imagine. But a lot of times what we do is we say, you know, Lord, I want you to give. And then what we do, we hold it with the closed hand. It's like the whole parable of the talents. Have you ever read that passage before? Where the master gave the servants different talents and there were different amounts. And one went out and invested and used what he had and he doubled it. And the other one did the same thing. One had five, one had three, and one was given one. But the one who was given one, he was afraid to lose it. And so you know what he did? He went and he buried it in the ground. But what happened? The master came back. And all of them said, hey, Lord, listen, I took the five that you gave me and I invested it. I used it. And man, we doubled it. And God said, well done, faithful servant. The guy had three said, I did the same thing, Lord. And we doubled it and man invested it. And, and look, here it is. It's, I'm giving this back to you. And he said, well done, faithful. And the other one said, listen, I knew that you were harsh and I knew that you were just. And I didn't want to. I was afraid about standing in front of you. And so, listen, I didn't want to lose it no matter what. So I went and buried it. And here it is. God's like, you just didn't get it. You didn't get it. Like, God didn't give us anything so that we could hold it. God gave us, God's entrusted us with what we have, with everything that we are, to hold with an open hand. It's just like if you've ever seen the illustration before, like if I had a big jar of pennies for like, and just let's say they're gold coins, Okay. And like you just look at it like here's heaven and God just wants to pour it out right here. 
And like when you pour it out, if you hold your hand open, you can get more. Like the other part just kind of fall through. God wants you to use it. Like, but what we tend to do is we say, we want to hold on to what we have. And then what God has for us, it just fall, it never can enter into our hands because we're too busy and occupied with what we have and keeping what we have. Paul said, listen, they, it wasn't like this for the people of Macedonia. They wanted to be a part of this. They wanted to give themselves. They gave themselves first and foremost to the Lord, to the will of God, also to us. But then he goes on to tell them, and I'm finishing up right here. Look at your neighbor and say, he's about to wind up. Look at your other one he ignored, you ignored, and said, good, I'm hungry. So, but Paul goes on to talk to the church of Corinth, and he says, but since you excel in everything. I told you their situation, but listen, you, you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnest, and in the love we have kindled in you. See that, listen to what he says, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. And listen, I just want to tell you as a church family, when I read this, like I immediately thought of you guys. You guys are generous people. You're generous people. You're a generous group. This is a generous church. This church has supported other campuses for many, many numerous years. We have two other locations. We have one in Morgan County. We have one in Clinton. We believe in the mission. We believe in reaching people, right? We've supported those, right? We've helped financially support them. We've also encouraged them, supplied resources, give of our time, send our people, like all those things. We do that within our community. You guys are just so generous, right? That's why we have, it is one of our values on the wall as you come in the door, right? One of our core values is generosity. And we say it, we want to help lead the way in generosity, we want to be generous. We want to be a church that's generous. And I commend you for that. But when you give and as you give, I want to take you to chapter 9. If you guys are still with me, say, I am. Go to chapter 9 and finish this thought that Paul has. Again, he's talked about, I'm not commanding you to do this in chapter 8. But this is something that you need to continue to grow in. And he encourages them to finish what they started. And then he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 7 and 8, and then he says, each of you should give, this is a verse you've probably heard, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. And then he goes on to say, not reluctantly, right, not out of obligation or under compulsion, for God loves a what? This is something we heard all the time. The Greek word there is hilarious more than you and I ever deserve. So when we give, it's because of his love that has motivated us to say, you know, Lord, whatever I have, whatever I am, here is yours. You use it as you lead. Lord, I'll surrender it to you. Each of you should give what you decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need that's important. Keep it in context right here. I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I, Jesus, number one, didn't have anywhere to call home. He didn't even have a place to lay his head. So this whole ideal of like, if you give this, then you're going to drive this car, live in this house, it's a bunch of garbage. Okay, turn the channel. Read, read the scripture. Okay, not trying to be mean, just want to be real. Okay. But we give, God, he continues to be faithful and he provides our needs. 
Sometimes you can't even explain it how he does it. He just does it. And he says, you will abound in every good work. And that's what you and I need to be reminded of. So this week as you go out, let me give you a challenge. There's a couple of ways that you can, can, can continue generosity. Number one, like uh, we generally have some cards out front, some of those three-by-five cards. I think there's some business. There's a couple up here. I think uh, um, a lot of them got taken this morning. Um, however, we're going to get some more. But it just has our church name and just a reminder of love. Like if you go through the, how many of you go through get coffee in the morning? Anybody? Hey, don't, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. It's all right. It's all good. Iced coffee. Anybody get iced coffee? All right. We got a few more. All right. How many husbands complain about going to get, no, I'm just kidding. Um, or maybe how many wives complain about their husband going to get, in, uh, all right. Anyway, here was the point. Look for opportunities to bless other people. You have no idea how a simple act can impact somebody's life. It may not be a car. You could buy somebody's coffee behind them, hand them a card, just say, tell the person behind you through the person who's working the window, I just want you to tell them that God loves them, that God's for them. God wanted to bless them today. Those are ways of where that you can continue to be generous. When God compels you in some capacity, maybe you hear a story. Be faithful. Do what you can do. Allow God to work in that situation and let him be lifted up and glorified. I promise you, God will blow you away. God will blow you away in that. Continue to be faithful. Give of your time. Like maybe you need to get, find a way to get connected, to be a part. Serve, serving is part of giving, right? Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So our giving, right, also includes our time, our talents, our abilities, using them for the glory of God. Find a way to get connected. Find a way to be a part, to lift up the name of Jesus. And when you do that, like God gifts everybody. If you're a believer, God's gifted you for ministry. And here's the purpose of those gifts. It's not so people say, oh, they're awesome. Right? God, God I'm not up here so that I can get a lot of people say, wow, Robert's fantastic. There's a lot of people who are better preachers, teachers than I am. But we all have a role to play here. And when we all use our gift, guess what's built up? The body of Christ. And that's the purpose that God's gifted you and I for, is to edify the body of believers, to encourage one another as the day of the Lord approaches. So use your gift for God's glory. Let him work through that and praise him for the great things he has done. Let me pray this morning as our, as our worship team comes and leads us in a song today. First and foremost today, I want you to know that if you don't know Jesus, my heart and prayer, everything that we're about here is for people to experience the grace of God. And I want you to know that no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, there is a God in heaven who rules and reigns, and he made a way for you to be forgiven. And it wasn't because you deserved it. It wasn't because you'd done anything to earn it. It's just simply grace. Grace is undeserving love. And so he gave Jesus. And Jesus lived a sinless life. And that's important because he went as a sinless, spotless lamb, and he willingly went to the cross. And the reason he went to the cross is because you and I have a sin problem. The scripture says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what we deserve is to be separated from God for all eternity in hell. That's what we deserve. That's what we've earned. That's why the scripture says, for the wages of sin, a wage is something you earn. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So Jesus became our sin, bore our shame, 
and he endured it on the cross and he literally shed his blood, gave his life, literally died and was buried. But the story didn't end there. Three days later, the father raised him from the dead, signifying that God had accepted that sacrifice on our behalf and that he had defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now by faith, when we call out to Jesus, when we ask him, because I believe that when we pray, he hears us. When we call out to him by faith and we repent of our sins, in other words, we acknowledge that we need him, that we've wronged God, that we've sinned against God, that we don't deserve God's love, we deserve God's wrath. But when we repent and we call out to him and we say, Jesus, forgive me, I believe the scripture says is what the scripture says is true, that if you're faithful to confess to the Lord, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That God hears our prayer in some way, somehow, supernaturally, he saves us, he forgives us, and we're washed and we're cleansed and we're made new. That's the power of God. And you say, man, it just seems so simple. It is simple, but we make it complicated. We think that we've got to do more. We think that we've got to uh, put more things on our plate so that if I do these things, then God would love me and accept me. It doesn't work that way. Come right now where you are, where you're at, and say, Jesus, here I am. Forgive me. And he forgives you. And then moving forward, that grace that you experience motivates you to continue to honor him, to trust him, to love him, because he's a gracious and good God. And he saves you and he forgives you. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus or you're watching online today and you don't know Jesus, I invite you just right now, call out to him just right now. Pray to him and say, Jesus, forgive me. I believe. I trust that you are king. I trust that you are Lord. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were resurrected from the dead. I believe that you're coming back. I believe that you're Lord. I believe that with my heart, my spirit, my all. Lord, I surrender it to you today. Now, if you prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand? Anybody in this place today? Thank you. Anyone else today? Thank you. Anyone else? Listen, I want you to know he's a real God. He's able. And listen here, I want to encourage you. Take some next steps. You can come talk to me. We can pray. We can talk about next steps. Maybe you need to fill out a card and we can follow up with some coffee or conversation this week, whatever. But listen, make that known. God wants you to be public with your faith. I want to help you do that. Maybe some of us here today are struggling with priorities and values and things have gotten out of whack. We've got some big rocks out of the bucket of life. And maybe we need to settle some things and put some things back in there today. Then come. We just want Jesus to have his way. So Jesus, right now, Lord, move, work. May we be respond in obedience to you. We love you. We thank you. And we ask it in your name. I want you to stand with me this morning. If you need to come, you come today.